Now, I want to talk about a story today because I think it's really important that we not forget because of COVID and everything else that we talk about regularly and it seems to be consuming conversation. We seem to have forgotten that children were off school uh, for most of the early part of the year, right up to the summer this year. And of course, that would have put the HPV vaccine in jeopardy. And all across the world, I was listening to an immunologist the other day actually talking in the United States about the downturn in the amount of vaccines that were given out. Uh, Important vaccines that we trust, vaccines that are important to us, vaccines that save lives, because as you well know, vaccines have saved billions of lives throughout the last, you know, God knows how many decades. And absolutely, I know there are people out there who don't like vaccines and people are cautious about the COVID vaccine and you're right to be cautious. Always right to be cautious. Always read the warnings. Always read about the side effects. Absolutely. But we can see clearly that the HPV vaccine has been very successful. Uh, one woman uh, who wants to talk about that today is Eileen Rush and she joins me on the show. Good afternoon to you, Eileen. Hi, Nara. How are you? Eileen, uh, the HPV vaccine, let me just get to your story and I'm going to read this out first and I hope you don't mind. I hope it doesn't upset you, but it was something that that you had wrote and for people who don't know, you were diagnosed um, back in 2018, December 2018, with stage 3 cancer. And you wrote this. You said, it will be tough and I'm working on a little less self-pity and a bit more strength and more positivity, but I'm hugely thankful for all the offers of help and support from my wonderful family, friends and community. Even now I'm crying, I'm grieving for the Debs, the driving lessons, when he'd hate me uh, for stopping him hitting uh, the town, leaving cert, college graduation, wedding and magical grandbabies. I just have to take a deep breath and try and enjoy the present. And if I take you back, I suppose, to 2018, now you had, I suppose, the, the usual abnormal cervix cells and, and that was previous in the previous 18 months, which I, I imagine were removed. Uh, and then you were diagnosed with stage 3 cancer in December 2018. That must be a day that you will never forget as long as you live. Yeah, so I suppose for the year and a bit before diagnosis, I was, like many people, just the norm is, there's a treatment cycle. You get diagnosed with abnormal cells of varying levels, um, and then they treat it accordingly, and then they give you another smear. Sometimes they treat again. And so, by and large, most people come out the other end cancer-free, and that's the whole point of the smears is that they're picking up these abnormal cells, precancerous cells. So, Which is worrying enough, by the way, because I know at the time Helena, our producer, spoke about this situation because she had had some cells picked up as well and had them, you know, had the, the, the treatment as well. But And it was a very worrying time for her. So it's a, that's a worrying time itself for a lot of women. Extremely. I mean, it's inconvenient also. You're in work and you're asking to go and people are a little apprehensive to explain why. Um, yeah, it, it is. So you go, you get, there's a few different things with the lilettes. Um, so I actually, after the normal um well, don't to play them down, but normal procedures to get rid of the abnormal cells weren't working. So they brought me in to remove a bit of my cervix for a day procedure. And I, was, they, I hemorrhaged and they transferred me. I was in the Loud Hospital, which is it's just a day procedure um, hospital. And they uh, transferred me down to the Lourdes Andrada and then they gave me an MRI. Um, and that was a Friday. And then the following Wednesday, I got a call in work, and I work in worked in Irish Life in Abbey Street. Okay. And I got a call at 11 o'clock, and they asked me to be there at 1, and they knew I worked in Dublin. So, so you knew, you knew it must have been important. You knew at exactly. that stage it was important. So, yeah. yeah. 
I got the bus down and they said um, that must have was, been that must have been a terrible journey on the bus down, thinking that if they want me this quickly, there's something wrong. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if I was hugely surprised. Um, okay. Because of what had happened, but definitely I was on the. I have to travel past on the Matthews bus, which is the northeast up to Dublin route, like everyone has one when they're working in the city, uh, some similar thing. So I just got on the bus on my own and I was going to Dundalk um, and I rang my brother who lives in Dundalk and I asked him to meet me. I don't really know why I did that because I don't know. All Maybe you wanted just <laughs> yeah. a bit of support, I suppose, to have a bit of support there. <laughs> Someone to hold your hand, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I was actually all right and um, I'm just your line is a little bit bad, Eileen. Are you on a speakerphone? Just out of curiosity. No, no, okay, sorry. okay, okay. Can you hear me? That's no, better. Sorry, yeah, that's no, better. No, yeah. that's okay. Go ahead. So you're um, on on the bus anyway. So yes, and you, my brother came in with me, and um, they said it was um, cancer, and I wasn't hugely surprised or maybe in shock. And I met my brother's a few years older than me, and he went grey and didn't really say anything. And so then they kind of just send you off and. So that's more of a diagnostic place. There's no treatment up there. That's that's the colonoscopy unit in the Loud Hospital is where cervical check people are referred mm-hmm. when their smears from their GP come back abnormal. Yeah. Um, so then I pretty quickly, now that was I think the 18th of December, and I met my oncologist on Christmas Eve in Luke that year. Christmas Eve. Yes, and, yes. and to remind people, you do have children. By the way, you're quite a young woman. You're 35 years of age. For those who I'm think... I'm 34. Okay, sorry, I do apologise. <laughs> I've added a year to your life. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people are thinking out there, because they, a lot of people, when they think of cancer and women, they think of older women. You, you yeah. did, and I know I, last year I did have a girl on who was only 23 or 24, I think. It, and, you know, she yeah. had it as well. Cancer is um, it's indiscriminate. Mm. Children, old, young, any race—it it really doesn't care. No. Um. So, yeah, and I think that is something for some people. It won't happen to me. Um. I don't smoke. I'm healthy. I'm a vegetarian. There's all sorts of people. It, it doesn't matter. I met every walk of life throughout my journey so far. So I'm not saying everyone doesn't try to be healthy. Don't ignore the potential that cancer can be real for you. We can all be victims of it. It doesn't exactly. matter what your lifestyle is. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, when it had returned, it was a kind of an aggressive form. Um, so, yeah, sorry, which, Niall, yeah. That was actually my original diagnosis. So and I went through treatment and I got the all clear in May um, 2019. And uh, just a week after my son made his confirmation, actually. And um, it was great. And so then for the last year and a bit, I've had no symptoms. Well, like, I'm in menopause. Um, I was 32 then. I'm 30, uh, whatever I said now. I'm nearly yeah. 34. So you, this <laughs> obviously could put you into early menopause, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that in itself is a problem because menopause has a lot of side effects that you can attribute nearly anything in life to headaches, sweat. Depression, uh, I suppose, yeah. Depression, everything. Mm-hmm. So it probably wasn't as heightened. Um, and then about eight weeks ago, I went to my GP with back pain. Um, I was actually just on the beach um, with the dogs, and I couldn't call her. All of a sudden, I couldn't catch my breath. Um, so anyway, fast forward in it, I um, went in for uh, into the hospital, and I had an x-ray, and I was referred to a CT. And then uh, two weeks they got me in for an EBUS, which is where they um, where they um, put a camera down my um, 
Sorry. They, they put a camera down my uh, throat and they took six biopsies from my lungs. Um, that was two weeks ago and I got called up last week and it um, is cancer. It's the same cancer. It's cervical cancer that has spread to my lymph nodes and my lungs and is um, terminal. I'm really sorry to hear that. And Thanks. and I genuinely am. I mean, such a young woman and I know you, you have children as well and... I mean, and I suppose when you hear that and you hear the word terminal, um, you start thinking about, you know, everything in your life. You start thinking about what am I going to be around to see? I want I want to see my children do this or that or the other. Or, and what have I got to do? I mean, have they, have they given you a prognosis in relation to time? And I don't I don't mean to sound no, very morbid or anything like that. I mean, it's practical question. I went up, um, I was only up the other day uh, with the oncologist and basically I, st- I started supposed to start chemo today but it's been changed to Thursday and they have it's a 12 week cycle of three weeks on, three days on one day off of uh, chemo and until I go through that process and then they scan me, they just don't know whether my body or the cancer will react favourably um, so they can't give a timeline I did ask and when you, when you say react favourably, in other words, extending your life, to, exactly. to, to extend if, your life. If the, if, the, if the chemo can kill the cancer, we'll never kill it, but control it. Control so it, they're yes. Not, they're not treating to cure, they're treating to control. And when I asked, did I have um, weeks, months or years, uh, they just said they're hoping and not weeks. So, okay. um, I mean, I, I have one son, uh, Seamus, he's 13. Yeah. He's in second year, and oh, so his dad passed away of epilepsy in 2017. So all I got straight away is like that. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, you sorry know, to hear that. It's just him. I'm blessed that I have a big family of four siblings and a million cousins and parents, and it's wonderful. But yeah, it's awful. I know. Shite, I know. I know. My language. No, it's no idea. <laughs> It is shite. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. It is shite. And I, I, there's no better word to describe it as shite, actually, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those challenges that it's, <clears throat> that's put before us during life, you know, particularly when you're given particularly bad news like that. Because, absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure your family will be all around to support you, and I'm sure they are all supporting you and doing whatever they can for you. And it's going to be particularly difficult for your children because as much as you you know, don't want to miss your children. They don't want to miss you too because you're so important in their lives as well. Yeah. You know, and I'm, you know, um, but, uh, and obviously the the treatment, hopefully it'll be successful and it'll, you know, it'll help to elongate your life and and look, you never know. I suppose miracles, miracles happen. Eileen, yes, stay positive. Miracles happen, you know, and things happen sometimes for no particular reason. I mean, I've heard of cases where people have been given a terminal diagnosis. It happened to somebody I know, I knew 20, well, it's 30 years ago now. And he was told at the time that he had radiotherapy, chemotherapy, sorry. And he went from like 15 stone down to six and a half, seven stone. And he was told, no, this is just not going to work. I'm sorry. So they even went as far as having a, a night out where did they try to raise funds for the family and all this and for treatments and stuff? Mm-hmm. He he was that was it. It was terminal. Um, twenty six years later, he was still alive. Now, wow. unfortunately, unfortunately, he died twenty six years later. It came back. He he went back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was in remission and he went back. Uh, unfortunately, got cancer twenty six years later, but lived to a good age. 
because he got another 26 years. So what I'm saying to you is sometimes they get it wrong. You know what I mean? And and that's not their fault. That's just, unfortunately, the nature of cancer. It's so unpredictable, Absolutely. you know. But yeah. of course, the main reason I wanted to talk to you today was not mm-hmm. just to talk to you and to empathize with your situation, but was that there are a lot of people out there with young daughters in particular, and we can save so many lives with the HPV vaccine because it has been proven in Australia where they first started uh, the trials on HPV to be very successful at stopping these precancerous cells from HPV. And I suppose that's your message is to, to basically don't so, put your yeah. daughter in that situation. Well, for me, it's a, a couple of things. I have a son. He were, he's in second year now. Last year was the first year they gave the boys the HPV vaccine. And he was in the, he actually was sick the day. And I followed up and they have clinics. So that's one message. Just if your child misses it in the school system, they do run these follow-up clinics to catch everybody. Yeah. Um, and then the girls, if I, back in, in the early 90s, had been given um, this HPV vaccine, I wouldn't be dying. Like, it's quite black and white for me. Like, I wouldn't be... And the figures are astounding for people who don't know. Uh, over 350 women in Ireland die every year from cervical cancer. And, yeah. and that's not including the amount of women who have to have life-changing surgery because exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it has a life-changing effect on them. So it, it is quite damaging. And, you know, if I have a daughter. She's, uh, she's had the HPV vaccine. She's uh, now 19 years of age. But I wouldn't like to be the parent who didn't vaccinate my daughter and the child ends up, like yourself, at 34 years of age, Eileen, with, with you know, cervical cancer, or 35, no, 34 years of age. I've, I got it wrong the first time. I don't want to be on the of your life. When, when is your birthday, Eileen, by the way? October 25th. I'll be yeah, 35. Oh, all right, okay. Well, you're, ne- you're nearly there. Nearly you're nearly there. there. But I, I, I wouldn't like to be that parent, I suppose, to tell my daughter, you know, at 34 or 35 years of age, that I'm sorry, I should have got you vaccinated. Because, of course, they yeah. don't know. They're not mature enough to make that decision at 13 or 14 years of age. I think, um, I think at the moment there's a couple of things going on and we're going into a political uh, conversation. There's people that are anti-government, anti-mask, anti-lockdown. And Anti-vaccine, yeah, I know, route. I know. It's all being clumped in together and it's not the same conversation. No, this it's not. vaccine in countries like Scotland, Canada, Australia is eradicating HPV. So if, as a country, we stand together and we get our smears, we watch ourselves, we vaccinate our children, both boys and girls, because if the boy has it, he can give it to a girl. Whereas if everybody has it, this virus can be stopped. And by the way, can so, I say, it is important for boys as well, because boys can get throat cancer. Um, there's penile cancer, there's throat cancer, yeah. there's a massive increase in, and then you have to think of a boy going back to a girl and it, it, you know yeah, and I know there are parents out there in maybe their naivety in some way because obviously we give it to girls and boys at 13 or 14 years of age in their naivety saying well look my children are not sexually active well look you don't yeah. know you're not with them all but the time and let's not, not be age, too naive yeah it's not age discriminate like and also I remember years ago in secondary school being shown a chart about STDs and one girl sleeps with one boy. That boy has only slept with one other girl. And then it, it goes back and back and back. It, nobody has to be sleeping around. Married people who haven't slept with other people have got HPV. It's not in any way linked to um, any behavior some people would deem improper. 
it's it's not the case you know, yeah, and, and, and the other thing is, it's quite invisible as well. You know, similar to chlamydia, yeah. for example, which is a sexually transmitted disease. Mm-hmm. It's very invisible. Like, if you catch it tonight or today or tomorrow, you're not going to know. And, and you and will only know... Only with boys, because yeah. they, the smear doesn't exist for them. Yeah. So, absolutely. And I just think that some people have this misconception where actually Ireland has a great record of curing or treating cervical cancer. That's not to say that these women don't end up infertile in menopause in the early Or life changing surgery as I mentioned exactly. earlier on, yes. Yeah. So it's not just a you know something people get over with. People learn to live with it, but it is massively invasive. And as it just I am not disregarding some parents have read some studies and seen some images of girls being in bed and I don't know there is no science uh, well there is no data and no scientific evidence to prove that the HPV vaccine caused what they call POTS syndrome uh, exactly. POTS syndrome was around long before the vaccine came along and you know <laughs> girls and well particularly girls because of course girls were being vaccinated initially um, uh, to show that girls had those symptoms those growing symptoms of you know uh, maturing symptoms of sometimes being lethargic or whatever it happens to be so that has been around long before the vaccine Absolutely. came along Absolutely. yeah it's, a, it's simply a correlation people are correlating not causation as I said what they would be is that if people incorrect worrying about giving the HPV vaccine because they're worried their children would have this fatigue symptom. You know, consider the alternative. Like my parents now in their early 60s are planning to most likely bury me. I'm losing your line again there. Sorry, Sorry. I Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. What I was saying is that if they're worried about their children getting this, uh, you know, uh, the, the fatigue you know, they should think of my parents in their early 60s planning, no doubt, in the future to bury me. So I'm gone. So, so they would, I would much rather be here in bed tired for another 30 years than in the ground. So it's, it's, for me, it's just not anything to think about. You yeah. just no, do absolutely, it. absolutely. Yeah. And, and listen... <sighs> All I can say is you've sent out a very strong message today and to all those parents, if, you, if your child hasn't got a boy or girl and they haven't got mm-hmm. it in school this year because, of course, the upset and they've been sent home from school and all that kind of carry on or, or whatever has happened in the schools, all you've got to do is check up with your local doctor, your local clinic and make sure that they've got it. If they haven't, get it for them. It's really, really important. Just like the importance of immunisation as a baby, you know, against mm-hmm. measles, mumps, rubella, all those are the trusted vaccines that we've had around a long time. For those who are kind of edging on the anti-vaccination thing, you know, absolutely. There's no problem at all with checking out the side effects or symptoms of vaccines. Talk to your doctor about it. Go to the HSE website or the, the real website, not the alive websites. I'm talking about trusted websites and inform yourself. That's absolutely what you should do as a parent. Inform yourself but you know have a look at there's lots of different vaccines on the market yes there has been trouble with certain vaccines in the past there's no doubt about that and we have to trust vaccines but I think overall vaccines have saved billions and billions of lives around the world and particularly, and particularly the HIV vaccine has been seen to be very very popular and certainly very successful in relation to your story I hope it has a good ending Eileen 
I hope it has Thank a good you. ending for you because I know um, and when I read your, your message that you put up online, you know, and you said you have to take a deep breath and try to enjoy the present. I suppose it's just living every day now the best you can and you only appreciate life, I suppose, although it's difficult at these times with lockdowns. <laughs> you can't be heading off on holidays or something like that. But you only get to appreciate life when you when you hear news like that, isn't it really? Yeah, I mean, I'm just really grateful to have the support I have and holidays but honestly sitting having dinner with my family in my kitchen is really just as enjoyable I think it's about making the most that we do have and lockdown is hard um, but you know we're here and all we can do is enjoy those around us and make the most that we have you know make the most of what we have I should say well, look, I know you're starting your chemotherapy at the end of this week, so I, I wish you well with that, and I hope you're not too ill when you're on it, because I know it does have its own side effects as thank well, and I'm, so sure, I'm sure you're prepared for that anyway. But listen, thank you very much indeed, Eileen, and I wish you well. Thank all you right. so much for the call. All right, okay, there you go. Eileen Rush, 34 years of age, uh, struck down, sadly, with terminal uh, cancer from HPV, and it just sends out a very strong message, and she wants to send out a very strong message. You don't want to have a situation where your daughter comes to you now that the vaccine is available. And when she was young, it wasn't available, obviously. It's only been available for the last 15 years. You don't want your daughter coming to you at 35 years of age with cervical cancer saying, why didn't you get me vaccinated when I was a child? Do you really want that on your conscience? I know it sounds like, I see, people think because I'm against some things that I'm against vaccination. I'm not against vaccinations. I'm in favour of safe vaccines. And from what I've seen and the evidence I've seen, HPV overall, yes, there are going to be some evidence of some side effects. Uh, some children might feel faint afterwards. They might have a redness on their arm afterwards. Uh, there have been children who've reacted badly to it, very rarely. But overall, overall, you have to look at the risks versus the benefits. And the benefits of HPV have been proven in Australia that it's practically eradicating precancerous cells. That's where it started. And we can do the same. We can eradicate those 350 deaths, and not only the 350 deaths, but look at all those other children and women, primarily women, although men and boys do get throat cancer and penile cancer as well from HPV, but primarily women who get cervical cancer. Look at all the life-changing surgery they've had to have. You can stop all that by just getting your kids vaccinated against it. Simple as that. 